The Roman emperor and philosopher Marcus Aurelius once said, The wise man accepts his pain, endures it, but does not add to it. Pain and suffering are parts of the human experience, just like pleasure and joy. They're two sides of the same coin. There's no such thing as a one-sided coin. There would be no good days without bad days. For every win, there's a loss. And so we must accept the fact that we can neither run nor hide from suffering. And still, many of us spend our lives needlessly obsessing over maximizing pleasure and eliminating pain, which ironically tends to result in a reduction of pleasure and an increase in pain. The pursuit of happiness is an empty one because happiness is simply an emotion, and emotions come and go. Deep down, you don't even want to be happy all the time because you would end up taking it for granted. You can only appreciate happiness because you know what sadness feels like. You might have heard the proverb, sunshine all the time makes a desert. It's often used to convey the idea that hardship and adversity are necessary for growth and development and that too much comfort and ease can actually be detrimental. And so trying to avoid suffering is also an exercise in futility. In fact, trying to avoid suffering often leads directly to suffering. It's just that the suffering is delayed, so we don't realize that until it's too late. When you put off your English studies for later, when you avoid going to the gym, when you spend hours staring at your phone to avoid feelings of boredom and emptiness, when you avoid social interactions out of fear of rejection, when you chase cheap pleasures as opposed to meaningful challenges, when you worry about the future instead of taking action in the present, you're doing nothing but delaying your inevitable suffering. You're not eliminating it. Now, here in the West, we've adopted the idea that the most important thing in life is happiness. If it doesn't make you happy, you shouldn't do it. Don't listen to people who criticize you. Live your best life. You're perfect the way you are. I just want to be happy. Don't you want to be happy? When in reality, true happiness comes as a result of living a proper, purpose-driven life. It's not something we have to pursue, attain, or even prioritize. It's actually a bit ridiculous to think that you'd make all of your decisions based on the pursuit of a fleeting emotion over which you have no control, don't you think? But what does it mean to live a proper, purpose-driven life? What should you pursue in life, if not happiness? Dr. Jordan B. Peterson has a few thoughts on the subject. We're built to walk uphill. And when you reach the pinnacle of the hill, you want to stop and appreciate the vision, but the next thing you want is a higher hill in the distance because it's the uphill climb that it's it's from the uphill climb that we derive our value and i mean this technically so almost all the positive emotion we feel especially the 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 emotion that fills us with enthusiasm and that's to be filled with the spirit of god by the way because that's what enthusiasm means that's experienced in relationship to a goal and so in some sense, and this is part of the religious enterprise, you want a goal that you can never attain, right? So you can always move closer to the goal that recedes as you move towards it. You think, well, that's frustrating. It's like Sisyphus pushing the rock uphill. But it's not because as you pursue that goal, 
you put yourself together and your life does get better and richer and more abundant. And that's why the highest levels of virtue and goal are in some sense transcendent. You want them to be above everything you're doing so you can continually move towards something that's more sublime and better. That's what you are. You're, you're here to live, not to, not to sleep. And the problem with the vision of Mai Tai's on the beach is that, well, first of all, that's, an that's a vision of, of drug-induced unconsciousness. Second, it's only going to work for about a week. Third, you're going to be a laughingstock in a month and depressed and aimless and, and goalless. It's no, that's not, it's, it's, you want a horizon of ever-expanding possibility. And so it does happen to people as they, because they've staked their soul on the attainment of an instrumental goal. And it, it can be a pretty high order goal. It was in your case. Yeah. But then you think, well, I've, now I'm there. Now what? Well, the answer can't be, well, I'm going to live in the lap of luxury and never have to leave the faith. What do you want to be? A giant infant with a gold, with a gold bottle? You never have to do anything but lay in your back and suck? It's like, well, you see the problem with that as a, as a, as a conceptualization. It's no, you want to be like an active warrior moving uphill with your sword in hand. And that's, that's dynamic. That's exciting. And that's why so many young men disappear into video games. It's, that's all acted out in the video game. So they have to act that out in their own life. Not that I despise video games, because I don't, but they're not a substitute for life. All right, my friends. Now, just in case you couldn't understand everything that was being said during that clip, don't worry. If you are subscribed on Patreon, you can download the PDF file with the transcript and the vocabulary guide explaining things in much more detail. But I just want to leave you with a few key takeaways from Dr. Peterson's thoughts. The first one is that pursuing difficult goals that require effort to achieve is important in life. You need a challenge. You need something to keep you engaged. Otherwise, you're going to find very unhealthy ways to deal with the inevitable feeling of boredom that comes along with doing nothing. So you need a challenge. Need something to engage with, right? And positive emotions, such as enthusiasm, are experienced in relation to a goal or a challenge that you want to accomplish, right? I mean, just think about anything in life. When you want to buy this thing and you saved up your money, you're working hard for it, you finally buy that thing and you feel this huge rush of positive emotion. You probably feel a lot of positive emotion working up to the purchase of that important thing, too, because you know what you're doing has meaning. You know you're grinding for a particular reason, right? It could be anything, whether you're in the gym trying to gain muscle or burn fat. No matter what it is, you have a goal in mind that you're trying to achieve. And a lot of the positive emotions that we feel, we feel because we have achieved some positive outcome. We've reached some goal that we had in our mind, no matter how big or small. And pursuing goals that are difficult to attain can put individuals together and make their lives richer and more abundant. So when he says that, I think he's, it's like a figurative way of speaking. And it basically means pursuing meaningful goals in life as opposed to cheap, meaningless pleasure can help you to put your life together, put yourself together, put your life in order. Because maybe your life's in chaos, you have no direction, you're lost, you have no goals, no friends, nothing stimulating or meaningful happens on a day-to-day -day basis for you. Your life is a mess. It's all over the place, like a dirty room. There's fucking shoes over here and t-shirts that need to be folded and pile of dirty clothes, your desk is dirty, you got fucking spilled drinks and shit all over the place. It's a mess. That's your life. And so 
choosing meaningful goals to pursue can help you get back on the path that is righteous, help you get back on the path that allows you to live a richer, more abundant, positive life experience. Think that's the idea. And so individuals should want a goal that they can never attain so that they can continually move towards something that's more meaningful, something that's better. And what I think Dr. Peterson means by that is you need to choose a goal that is so difficult to attain, maybe nearly impossible to attain, that you always have some kind of challenge in front of you, something you're trying to achieve, because that's what pulls you forward in life. If you have no reason to do something, nothing challenging you to take action, then you just won't do it. When we already know that simply doing nothing with all of your time leads to depression, very poor choices, mental illness. I mean, there's a reason one of the worst punishments for prisoners to this day is locking them in a room by themselves for 23 hours a day with nothing to do. Now, I'm not an anthropologist, a biologist, a neurologist. I just don't believe we evolved to live that way, do nothing all day, every day. So we need something to do. And it's better if it's something meaningful as opposed to something temporal or meaningless, right? So those are some things to think about. Obviously, you might have taken away your own points from that part of this episode. But the point is to think about it, not just to listen and then turn off the podcast and go do something else. You need to think about it. But anyway, we've established that a proper life is one that involves the pursuit of a meaningful goal. But the idea of setting and pursuing goals often comes with lots of anxiety. What is a meaningful goal? How do I choose one? What if something goes wrong? What will people think of me and my goal? What if I never achieve my goal? What if I want to change my goal in the future? What if I fail? What if I fall flat on my face in front of everyone? How do I know if I'm making the right decision? Am I really capable of achieving my goal? What are the steps I need to take? Which path should I follow? What if I fall off that path? Then what? Who can I turn to for advice? Our fear of the unknown causes us to suffer twice. We suffer by obsessing over what could go wrong in the future, which doesn't exist. And we suffer again when something actually goes wrong. Our fear of the unknown persuades us to stick to what we already know. It persuades us to stick to what feels familiar. The same instant gratification, the same unfulfilling relationships, the same dead-end job, the same unproductive routines, the same addictions, the same motivational videos, the same empty promises, the same procrastination, the same self-sabotage. All because we fear change. The devil I know is better than the one I don't, right? Some people suggest adopting an optimistic mindset as a way of dealing with the fact that it's impossible to know what tomorrow will bring. We can't control the future, but we might as well expect good things to happen because life is just more pleasant that way. The problem I have with optimism is that it emphasizes the idea that one should hope for good things to happen in the future. To hope is to feel a desire for something to happen or to be the case. But I'm of the belief 
that hope and anxiety are like cousins who don't know they're related to each other. When you're feeling both anxiety and hope, you've got your eyes on a future that's out of your control. And the future literally doesn't exist because all we have is the present moment. The only difference is that with anxiety, you're worried and have negative expectations of the future, whereas with hope, you're confident and have positive expectations of the future. And expectations often lead to disappointment. I would argue that stoicism is a much better remedy for dealing with the fear of the unknown and the inevitable tragedies of life. If you've never heard of Stoicism or any of the philosophers who developed this school of thought, don't worry. It's Dr. Michael Sugru, hopefully I pronounced that correctly. Dr. Michael Sugru of Ave Maria University is going to describe the essence of Stoicism and how this philosophy can be a form of liberation for the individuals who adopt it. Stoicism is characterized by a rejection of pleasure as the standard of human happiness and human felicity, Stoicism takes the position that the wise man, the good man, the philosopher, is a man who lives in accordance with nature. He fears only abdicating his moral responsibility. He is not afraid of pain. He is not afraid of death. He is not afraid of poverty. He is not afraid of any of the vicissitudes of the human condition. He fears only that he should let himself down and that he should be less than a complete human being. According to the Stoics, and there are a number of Stoics, two or three or four or five that actually develop the doctrine, but all the doctrines are quite similar, the only matter of concern to a wise and philosophic individual is the things completely under your control. You can't control the movements of the sun and the planets. You can't control whether a leaky ship sinks or makes it to port. You can't control the weather. You can't control other people. You can't control the society around you. There's only one thing and one thing only that you are in control of, and that is you. Your will, your intentions, yourself. In other words, the wise man, the truly philosophical man, is the man who is entirely in control of his own soul, who takes utter and complete moral responsibility for his actions and is indifferent to everything else, not because he doesn't care about other people, not because he doesn't care about the felicity of the entire human species, but because it's not under his control. There's no use wondering or worrying about what tomorrow will bring since tomorrow isn't under your control. Do what's right today and let tomorrow take care of itself. The Stoic philosopher is the man who has liberated himself from fear. He's not afraid of death. He's not afraid of pain. He's not afraid of other people's dismissal as a fool. The only thing he cares about is that he should meet his moral obligations. Ralph Waldo Emerson once said that Greatness is the perception that virtue is enough, which is an elegant and beautiful line. And he might well have stolen that from one of the Stoics, because all of the Stoics basically believe that. Virtue, moral virtue, an organized soul which pursues rationally the ends which are good for all human beings, that's the Stoic conception of virtue. They finally understand their greatness consists in the fact that they perceive that virtue is enough. We do not need wealth. We do not need sexual gratification. We do not need life itself. If moral virtue tells us that we must die in the pursuit of some good end, the protection of our family, the protection of our home, the protection of the innocent, in the doing of right, nothing should be spared, even, not even our lives. The stoic wise man is a man who has 
trained his soul, trained his mind, so that he is not afraid of apparent evils. He is only afraid of real evil. He is afraid of losing control of his soul. He is afraid of being a slave to lust, to desire, to emotion. The Stoic man is the honorable philosopher, the man who stands at his duty and is steadfast and serious-minded. In living according to nature, what the Stoic philosopher does is examine the nature of the human condition and the nature of the world around us. He discerns his position in nature, he discerns the kind of creature that he is, and he lives in such a way as not to disgrace himself, as not to be less than what he truly could be. He won't live the swinish life that we found with Aristophanes. He wants to be, if not a god, certainly not less than human. He won't be an animal either. He will live up to the fullest potentials that human being has to offer. All right, my friends, so let me leave you with a few key takeaways from Dr. Sagru's. Again, sorry if I said that wrong. Sagru? Sagru? Dr. Sagru? Let me leave you with a few takeaways from what he said. The first one is that stoicism is characterized by a rejection of pleasure as the standard of human happiness and felicity. Now, what I take from that is kind of going back to the first idea I proposed, which is the pursuit of happiness is an empty one. It should not be the focus of your life because when you chase and obsess over and idealize this positive thing, you're leaving yourself vulnerable to the negative thing. It's not like you can truly avoid suffering in life. We've already established that. So when you're just going through life only chasing what's pleasurable, you're just making it that much worse for yourself when you feel the, negative, the inevitable negative aspects of life. When you inevitably suffer or get some bad news or lose your job or whatever happens, you're so much less prepared to deal with the negativity because you spent your whole life running from it. And the longer you run from it, the bigger and scarier it gets, right? When in reality, true happiness comes from living a meaningful life, pursuing meaningful goals, then you don't have to really think about happiness. And even kind of going back to the main point, which is rejecting pleasure, I think the idea is just doing things because they're meaningful or because you're supposed to and not just because you think it's going to bring you pleasure, you know? I think that's the idea. Obviously, it's open to interpretation. But another takeaway is the only matter of concern to a wise and philosophical or philosophic individual is the things that are completely under his control. A stoic and wise man is one who has liberated himself from fear. And I think those two ideas go hand in hand because we tend to stress over and feel anxious about things that we can't control, things that could go wrong, things that might go bad, stuff in the future that doesn't even really exist yet. And so we find ourselves kind of stuck and paralyzed. We have this ball and chain attached to our ankle that keeps us from moving forward because we're afraid if I do this, then that could go wrong. If I do that, then that could go wrong. And what if this and what if that? But a stoic individual understands that what could go wrong or what other people might do is out of our control. So there's no reason to invest mental or emotional energy into those ideas because there's nothing you can really do to change them. The only thing you can change is the way you think and what you do every day in the present moment. And if you can control it, there's no reason to fear it because you can control it. So that's really the only thing you should be focusing on. And I think if you can internalize this idea 
start to practice it. And you do need to practice thinking this way. But if you can internalize the idea, you'll realize how much more free time you have, how much better your mental health is, how much happier you are, how much more clear-headed you are because you're not distracted by things that don't matter or things you can't control. You're not distracted by what other people are doing. You're just fucking focused on what's right in front of you. Life gets better, man. (laughs) I'm just speaking from experience, you know. But anyway, Dr. Sugru also says that the stoic man is the honorable philosopher who stands at his duty and is steadfast and serious-minded in living according to nature. He examines the nature of the human condition and the world, discerns his position in nature, and lives in such a way as not to disgrace himself and not be less than what he truly could be. Now, I guess that idea is really open to interpretation, like all of the ideas, but it just makes me think of the the idea that we, as human beings, with all this potential that we have, would be disgracing ourselves if we did anything other than live up to that potential. Now, some people might disagree with that idea, but I do think that's the idea he's communicating, is we have potential for great things. We can do so much. We can be a lot better than we currently are and a lot better than we think we can be, you know? And we're not simple, dumb animals who can't think or reason or strategize and plan. We're humans. And so to live as simple, pleasure-chasing, you know, herd animals that aren't really thinking about what they're doing, constantly distracted, it would be a disgrace to ourselves to live that way. I think that's what he's communicating. And so part of the the Stoic philosophy is focusing on what you can control and living the most meaningful, fulfilling life you can live. And as Dr. Jordan Peterson said, it's possible, you can agree or disagree, but it's possible that living that life involves pursuing meaningful goals, taking on challenges voluntarily, stopping the obsession of, or the obsession over pleasure, instant gratification, validation from other people, and instead focusing on meaningful pursuits, real challenges, growing and developing your skills, your relationships, how you communicate, you know? Providing value to yourself and those around you. Just something to think about. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. You can think whatever you want, but it is something to think about. But what do you think? Is this really the proper way to live? A life with an ever-expanding horizon of opportunities and a never-ending list of challenges to overcome? Rejecting the empty pursuit of momentary pleasure and focusing instead on bringing lasting value to yourself and those around you. Accepting what you can't control and focusing only on what you can. I suppose it's a question that each of us has to answer individually, and I think that's a good thing. Now, if you enjoy this podcast and you want to support my work and get access to bonus episodes, you can click the link in the description and subscribe on Patreon. And big shout out to all my current Patreon supporters as well, because your monthly subscription enables me to keep bringing you these episodes week after week. And I really appreciate that. But that's it for this episode of Real English Radio. I'm your host, Tony Kaizen, and I'll talk to you soon. Peace.